UConn and San Diego State will play in tonight's uh, national championship game in Houston. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in sports zone by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. And, Kevin, good to have you back on the show. Let's go back to Saturday, uh, the final four games. Let's start with San Diego State rallying to eliminate Florida Atlantic. Was that, uh, that, that, that game more Florida Atlantic losing it or San Diego State winning it? You know, I thought it was more San Diego State winning it. And, it. and it was a really interesting game going in, I thought, and that I thought that San Diego State would be the much more physical team. And I looked at it very similarly to the game that Florida Atlantic won against Tennessee, right? Because Tennessee was kind of a, a bully ball team, if you will, that you know had a tendency to, to kind of go five minutes here, six minutes there without scoring. And you felt like, you know, if Tennessee had that kind of stretch against Florida Atlantic, which they did, that they could be in trouble. Well, San Diego State was was in trouble. I mean, they they wound up going down, and then the defense really locked in. They were incredibly physical. I I think there were, you know, you you hate to say, I'm not a big, hey, the refs teams this game or, or anything like that. There were maybe a couple calls that didn't quite go their way. And I think, you know, when you look at, at that last stretch where Florida Atlantic wasn't really wasn't really scoring, there was maybe a little bit of tightness there. But I also feel like it was tightness that was caused by San Diego State. So for two weeks, we've watched Florida Atlantic make big plays to win these close games. You mentioned a couple of things there, but what specifically do you think was different during the uh, second half meltdown that uh, you know, we'd seen them make plays to, to win games you know, for two weeks, basically, uh, and uh, they didn't make them on Saturday night. Yeah, it's hard to put a, put your finger just uh, on one thing. I mean, they weren't really getting the the great looks that they kind of got, I, I feel like, was a, was a big part of it. You know, they've all, all tournament long, they've been able to kind of spread it and shred people, and, and it's not necessarily, hey – they're out here making 17 three-pointers a game, but more that they're playing four out. And with the way that they've been able to do that, it's opened up driving lanes. And, and you know, guys like John L. Davis have become kind of household names for their ability to attack the basket. San Diego State is a team that's really good defensively in scramble drills. You know, they can, they can help. They can force you to get rid of the ball, but then the way that they rally back after you get rid of the ball, the way that that they scramble back to get out there, a lot of teams aren't great at the college level in that scramble drill, and so that's how open shots happen. San Diego State is really good at it, and I thought that they did an outstanding job down the stretch against Florida Atlantic in terms of closing off those driving lanes giving a little bit of help where there needed to be a little bit of help, but then also closing things out where Florida Atlantic wasn't getting good shots off that penetration either. Also, it'd be nice if you didn't allow your opponent to get offensive rebounds off missed free throws, <laughs> huh? Sure. Sure. And how many times do we see that this tournament, Bob? I feel like yeah. as crazy as it sounds, you know, there are so many things that people want to talk about, transfer portal, NIL, you know, sort of these overarching themes. But, you know, to look at it, kind of a minor thing, it, it feels like we've had five different games or so, maybe even more, decided by an offensive rebound here or there that, you know, 
you just you didn't quite get to the rebound, and that's why you went home. It happened to Kansas against Arkansas. It happened in a few of these other games too, and it's uh, it, it will be interesting to see how many of these teams load up on rebounders in the transfer portal this offseason. Yeah, it was uh, between that and you know fouling three point shooters. <laughs> Those sure. are the two things that have kind of driven me nuts during the tournament here. All right, so let's go to the Florida Atlantic final possession. What it turned out to be their final possession, uh, legitimate possession. Did you think at the moment that San Diego State should have been trying to foul to extend the game? No, I didn't necessarily think so. I did think though that Florida Atlantic. I don't want to say they bailed them out, but they did go a little bit early. You know, maybe by a, a few seconds or so. I thought, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I didn't. I. I I see what you're saying. It's something where it was close enough that that I think you you could have said, yeah, you know, if Florida Atlantic takes that thing all the way down and and shoots pretty much right at the at the shot clock buzzer, you don't have much time left to uh, to make a play. But it, it wound up uh, it wound up working out in their favor. I probably wouldn't have have fouled there, but at the same time, you know, it, it was pretty. I wouldn't have argued if you did either. It was close enough either way, I thought. So San Diego State gets the ball back. You know, Termel and Bradley are not in the game. Dutcher decides not to call a timeout. Were you surprised uh, that he didn't call a timeout? Obviously, it worked out well with Butler hitting the game-winning shot, but did you agree with the strategy at the time? Yeah, I think coaches call timeout too often in those situations. And if you practice it well, it's not necessarily that, hey, you're going to get the best possible shot, you know, and the most open look or, or anything like that. But I think, you know, how many times over the course of the season have we seen teams just not even get a shot off when they call a timeout, you know, it gives the opposing defense a time to get set. It gives the coach time to say, Hey, you know, if they run pick and roll blitz, the blitz, the ball handler so that he has to take an extra second here or there. And next thing you know, the ball's on the ground and people are scrambling around and the time runs out. And so I think when you have a chance like that where you have, you know, somewhat of a fast break opportunity, it wasn't really a fast break, but it was enough that the defense wasn't necessarily going to get set and you're going to have a one-on-one sort of opportunity, you go ahead and take that. I'm going to throw out the other side here, largely because Dutcher – and I've been watching you know the you know the games on uh, you know the Mountain West games on CBS Sports Network sure. all year long. And Lapis keeps pointing out, you know, I didn't know if anybody was ever going to be as good as you know Bill Self and uh, Tom Izzo coming out of timeouts and getting good looks for their guys. But Dutcher, they're really good at that. And I heard him say after the game that he ran out of good plays. But I was surprised because yeah. they're so good at coming out of timeouts that he didn't call one. Yeah, it's been interesting, too, because I feel like Izzo and Self even have had some moments. If you remember uh, back when Kansas lost to Kansas State in Manhattan, you know, Kansas mm-hmm. had the opportunity twice, first at the end of regulation and, and then again at the in overtime and didn't get a shot off either time. And, you know, one of those, uh, one of those things where, yes, they are really good at setting those things up, but by the time you get to a certain point in the season and whether that's, you know, somebody being able to prepare for you in the final four where they've had a full week, you know, whether that's somebody that you're preparing for in conference or they see you multiple mm-hmm. times a year, 
I feel like people know what you really want to do. And so maybe you can go against tendency a little bit to, to try and iron out a look. But for the most part, the other team knows what you want to do in that situation too. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I agree with that part. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll beg to differ a little bit on this. Uh, Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports, currently in the sports zone. All right, game two, uh, Connecticut, you know, Jackson's in foul trouble. Hawkins is obviously not feeling well. They're still up 20 points in this game. Why did the Huskies pretty much have no no issues playing against Miami on Saturday? You know, it, it's crazy because when you look at, at recent history, I, I always – go back to the 2018 Villanova team because they pretty much made a mockery of the three-point line in that NCAA tournament. And, and, and you know, shortly after that, you know, the, the three-point line gets bumped out a little bit. But traditionally what we've seen is even that team had, you know, just an absolute clunker of a shooting game in their win against Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. And I always kind of use that as my example to, to say to people, you know, nobody hits shots or, or hits outside shots specifically for six straight games. It just doesn't happen. Well, here we are, and UConn hasn't had a clunker game from, from the outside all tournament. I, I think the worst they've shot has been 34 or, or 34.5% in one of those first five games from the outside. And when you look at, at what UConn does to people on the interior, you know, that just kills you because you have to choose. And so you you feel like, hey, you know, we've got a chance to win this game if UConn misses shots, and, and they haven't been missing shots. And I think, you know, you look at, at how physical they were against Miami in that game, you know, obviously out-rebounded Miami. You know, they held down Miami's offense as well you know Miami really struggled to score and it was it was very interesting because and I thought Dana O'Neill wrote a a really interesting piece about it you know most of us feel like Dan Hurley is just an absolute madman (laughs) and when Miami you know sort of threatened to cut it down what they get it to eight I think you you didn't see any fear really you didn't see him blowing up you didn't see you know, the coach trying to, you know, pull the strings, come on, one last push or, or whatever else. It was, I think he felt really comfortable. I, I really think that he felt like, hey, we're the better team here. We just got to clean a couple things up and, and we'll, you know, advance in this one. And, and I thought that was really telling just just the fact that a lot of times in those situations, you know, collars get a little bit tighter. It gets a little bit hotter in the gym and, and all of those different things that, And that just wasn't the case for UConn. They were very comfortable. And even when Miami sort of threatened a little bit, you know, it it wasn't for very long. So UConn's won every game by at least uh, double digits, 13 points or fewer. San Diego State's won four of its five games by single digits, including obviously the last two games by one point. Let's start with UConn here. What what has impressed you the most with UConn during this five-game demolition to this point of the tournament? I'm not sure I could put my finger on one thing. It's kind of everybody, you know, and it's, it's interesting because I think some of it has come over the course of a season. And so when you look at where UConn is now, it's different from where UConn was when it was going through that stretch where it lost six games, six out of eight games. And, and I think, you know, part of that was 
they lost some close games through there, and when you play close games, they say the best way to win a close game is to not play a close game because, you know, bounces are inevitably not going to go your way all the time. But I think the other thing was people were, were kind of packing the paint because of Andre Jackson not being much of a shooter, and, and I think, you know, UConn wasn't super sure of what they were going to do, and they've kind of turned him into a playmaker a little bit, and they've said, hey... If they're if your guy is not going to play you to shoot, you know you don't have to stand where he's leaving you. You can drive that thing into the paint a little bit. You can create for some other people, and I feel like that was a little bit of a turning point for UConn once they started doing that. And so people were no longer able to really just kind of pack things in and say, "Hey, whoever Andre Jackson's man is, you know, help out in the paint, and that you know we'll play." you know, four on five, basically. And and that's been fixed. And I think, you know, when you look at, I think he had four assists in the final four game. When you look at at the contributions that he's brought, you look at Tristan Newton was a guy that I was so excited about in the transfer portal because I just felt like he was one of those guys who's a connector. You know, he's Mm -hmm. one of those guys that, that just sort of supplies the glue that a team needs. And then, you know, you look at Sonogo, obviously, you know, Jordan Hawkins, you know, even with him being sick, he's had a great tournament and a great last part of the year. He's probably going to be, you know, a first round, maybe even a lottery pick. I I just think it's all the pieces kind of fitting together and finding themselves. And and UConn has has pretty good depth, too. When you bring a guy like Klingon off the bench, that's a luxury that not a lot of people have. All right, so let's flip this. I mentioned different routes to the championship game. Obviously, uh, San Diego State's won these close games, including the last two games by one point. What was impressed you most about San Diego State's run to the championship? Yeah, I think just the fact that San Diego State's been in some rough positions. I mean, even you look at that Alabama game, and Alabama kind of came back in the second half a little bit, and it was like, okay, San Diego State had its shot. Now, you know. Now the Crimson Tide are going to cruise, and they've just never really been put away. I mean, there have been multiple situations where you've said, okay, they're they're on the ground, somebody's going to put their foot down, and they just haven't allowed their opponents to do that. And I think that's one of the interesting things to watch against UConn because UConn has put people away. They've done an outstanding job of that. And so is this the one game that, that UConn is not going to shoot super well from the outside. Obviously, San Diego State, really good defensive team. And if UConn gets up eight or ten points, you know, that's home for the San Diego State team right now. That's that's not something where where they're going to be looking at, at freaking out or anything like that. And, you know, they're just such a physical team. They bought in defensively. The offense has come along from where it was earlier this year. I don't think it's a great offense, but I still think, you know, they're somewhat opportunistic when they get their opportunities. And so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really interesting, but I just think the physical and mental toughness of San Diego state really shines through. All right. So, you know, kind of, uh, let's put this together here. You know, San Diego state, they're getting seven, eight points, depending on where you're doing your business. If you're uh, into the wagering part of things, how what's a blueprint for them to hang either win a game or uh you know we've covered the point spread yeah i think they've got 
enough big guys that, that they can, I don't want to say stop UConn on the interior, but I think that that they can body up better than people can, They than other people can. I think that they can close off the rim a little bit better. I think that's going to be a big part of it. But the biggest thing is just that UConn's going to get some open shots. I mean, they're a team that wants to get the ball inside, move it around it. And so they're going to get some open looks. And San Diego State, they need to be on in their scramble drill, but they also, quite frankly, need UConn probably to miss some open shots. And I think as as silly as that sounds, that's, that's kind of their key in this one. I mean, there's a reason that that they're giving seven or eight points depending on, on where you're at, and I think a big part of that is that UConn, quite frankly, is is the better team. Anything can happen in one night, but at the same time, I think San Diego State's going to need a little bit of an outlier performance from UConn, at least from where UConn has been to win this game. All right, so bottom line, uh, you know, which of those two scenarios do you think is most likely to happen tonight and why? Yeah, I think UConn's going to win this game. I, it's, it, I do think San Diego State has you know, the, the players to kind of hang around. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we're heading into the final couple minutes and it's, it's a five-point game or so. UConn has a, a five-point lead or so, but I think once you start looking at you know, free throws, plays down the stretch, things like that. I, I think UConn is going to push this thing up and, and is probably going to win by, you know, eight, nine, ten points. I, I actually really I don't like the spread being where it's at in terms of wanting to bet on the game because I feel like it's, it, it's too close to what I would actually predict. But I like the spread in terms of I feel like it being an accurate indication of, of probably where this game is headed. I'm with you on that point spread thing. Uh, yeah, somebody asked me like uh, you know, a couple minutes to go in the second game, what would I make the number? And I said seven. So we're kind of uh, pretty much uh, in line there. So uh, you know, not going to be a, a wager for me, at least maybe in game, but not before the game. So we'll see how that goes. Kevin, appreciate the time, not just today, but throughout the, throughout the season. Thanks, good stuff. We will look forward to doing it again next year. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Bob. My pleasure. Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. Excellent stuff there.